0: Is translation possible? The answer rhymes with no. By Professor Trent Slater, Professor of Unprovable Linguistics Literature. From Volume 158, Number 2 of Speculative Grammarian, February 2010. While translation studies continues to grow as a field, with benefits being felt not only in applied linguistics, but also in the world at large, one obvious fact continues to be overlooked. Scholars who pore over the results of the process called translation omit to tell their readers of the theoretical questioning of the very object of their study. Put another way, while everyone is busy examining translations, no one bothers to ask whether translation is actually possible. The question was first suggested to me by my good colleague, Dr. Tapir Wolf of the University of Hunkachunka Essay Fodder. His hypothesis, translated from the original language of Hochili, was as follows. Since different languages use different words to describe things, they must be describing different things. The world I perceive will therefore differ from the world you perceive. Since we inhabit differently mutually exclusive worlds, communication between them is impossible. In order to unpack this convincing statement, we must provide concrete examples. After all, we do not want to find ourselves in the place where we have a theory which is not backed up with firm, authoritative evidence. Let us begin, then, with a well-known example. In English, we often separate out the names of an animal from the name of meat derived from it. Hence, while farmers raise pigs, we eat pork, bacon, sausages, and scratchings. Similarly, while a Scottish farmer may own a sheep, he will make mutton pies. The latter distinction is not present in French. In France, farmers both raise and eat mouton. It is evident, then, that English speakers inhabit a world where sheep graze on grass and mutton is served in pies. French speakers, therefore, inhabit a world where mouton graze on grass and are also served in pies. These two positions are irreconcilable and thus translation between the two is impossible. To posit sheep as a translation of Mouton would impose a distinction which is non-existent in the source language. Similarly, to posit Mouton as a translation of Button would mean ignoring the distinction made in English. This problem has concerned translators for years. German scholar D. Mann, for example, stated that the problem of the non isomorphicity of languages is indeed a great one. Field workers have sought a solution to this for years without success. However, given that it is not in their interest to make this fact known, a wide variety of strategies have been adopted to try and hide the truth. The first strategy is the most cunning. This involves the creation, maintenance, and publication of hundreds of spurious dictionaries and word lists each year. By this philological sleight of hand, equivalence is created between the lexical stores of two or more languages. Thus, if we search for the French word mouton in one of these lists, we are very likely to find a forced equivalent with the words sheep and mutton. The very fact that two equivalents are posited for a single word should be enough to dissuade this practice. But sadly, it is not. The problems associated with this strategy cause workers to adopt an alternative strategy, that of displacement. In this strategy, the goal of translation shifts from being the creation of equivalents, however artificial, to the creation of a new document to serve some purpose. It is the pseudo-pragmatic parabolic pretense that is used as the justification of scopos theory, the theory that holds that translation is not primarily linguistic, but goal-oriented. Thus, rather than translators being paid to find a linguistic equivalent, which is impossible, they're paid to prepare a text based on the source text, which fulfills the purpose given by the client or end user. Obviously, this reduces translation to a mere profession. It also extends the limits of translation so far as to allow definitions of the practice that are well outside the scope of this essay. Since Scopo's theory would insist that translation is possible by the mere fact that it exists, nothing more need to be said. In conclusion, the evidence is clear translation is utterly impossible. It is unthinkable to reconcile divergent realities. If Inuit tribes have several words for snow and we only have one, it is clear that they experience more than one kind of snow, placing their experience firmly outside the range of expression possible in English. To say otherwise is to extend the borders of translation outside of that which is proper and reasonable. The work of translators is therefore akin to that of Sisyphus, and any victories merely Pyrrhic.